it's a personal, it's, it's one individual decision that we do have control over. Um, and there's not like one way is right and one way is wrong. Um, and, and I'm really clear in the book, I hope that, you know, I don't think like my individual decision is going to like shift climate change. Um, but I do think that trying to live with some intention and the, and, and individual acts in collective can make a difference. Yeah. You know? and, and for me with this research, it wasn't just about the climate, even though that was like my driving, one of my driving motivators, but it was also like spending a year and a half just talking to people about death and dying. I mean, my, you know, like at, just with friends or with colleagues. Um, and, and that was, that was, uh, that was powerful because we don't really have those opportunities. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, you have people like Socrates saying that the practice of philosophy is a practice of learning to die. Mm. And uh, so much of, you know, being alive is about facing these kind of limits. So I would imagine that talking to people about death, uh, really changes your perspective on life. So even if you're not thinking about the environment and climate and things like that, that's still got to really shift the perspective you have on those things kind of indirectly, right? Because maybe some of the reason that we're not taking action on climate change is because we're so afraid of what it means for us. And we're afraid of the fact that it's threatening life on earth and we don't want to talk about death. So, you know, so being more comfortable talking about death could translate into people being more comfortable talking about environmental crises. Right. Well, and, you know, we know that like 100 companies contribute to like 71% of global greenhouse gas emissions. So for me, and there's in the book, sometimes I try to like tease out these, these debates um, in just conversations with friends or with people I'm, you know, interacting with. Um, and, and that one, um, that one question, you know, in, in, in one chapter, I'm like talking to the drummer of my college roommate's band, um, you know, and he's like, what is your one death, you know, going to do? Um, and, and we're having that conversation of, you know, does it matter what we do individually? And, you know, I, I really, I think strongly and I really strongly support like Catherine Hayhoe, who's a you know, renowned climate scientist, she says, you know, the first thing and most important thing individuals can do about climate is to talk about it. Um, and, and then, you know, for my students, I really believe that, in, you know, individual acts and collective are, you know, we can't just say, well, too bad, everything's screwed, yeah. you know, um, because there is that collective momentum. Um, and that's, that has been a force throughout history, you know, and no matter what, what changes have we've had to, we've had to face. Um, but, but I'm also, you know, really clear that for me, like talking about death and talking about climate are two things that don't come up in conversations and having them together. Um, yeah, I found that people wanted to talk about it. We just, you haven't been asked that question. Right. Exactly. Yeah, there is like a kind of, a, it's in the human condition. We want to talk about the stuff that's facing us, but we just need that context. Need, yeah. need somebody to kind of invite you into it. Right. No, totally. I remember, there's one scene in the book where um, I, we were going, my daughter and I were going to um, a, a potluck. These two friends have started this um, nonprofit called Holding Space, where it's essentially like a, a 
their home becomes like a hospice space for people who may not be able to, don't have their own homes or may not be able to, don't have family connections. Um, and they really talk about like people who are dying in their home or family. Um, so we went to a holding space potluck right before pandemic um, started. And, and my, my daughter was like, please don't ask this woman what she's going to do with her body. Okay. After she dies, <laughs> she said, just leave it for once. <laughs> and, you know, but yeah, of course everybody was talking about at a holding space potluck, like death is like on the forefront of conversations. Um, so yeah, so it was kind of, those those scenes to me the the levity is um, you know has to be a part of life even with every, you know in pandemic yeah. you know with in the climate crisis uh, you know I think that, that that joy and curiosity about each other um, to me is just so integral. Um, yeah, well, the the irony too is that the the book. Well, I thought the book was going to end with me buying a plot at the conservation cemetery. I won't give away the ending, but, um, but I actually discovered a cemetery at Warren Wilson college, um, that I had heard about, but I had never visited. And in my mind, I had, I got confused about, I thought a church cemetery was actually the college cemetery. I mean, I've lived here for 22 years. It's so pathetic. Um, but I discovered it and um, I mean, I discovered what was actually the cemetery, not what I thought was and, um, and realized that the contract for the cemetery required vaults, which is really interesting. I mean, Warren Wilson is known as environmentally sustainable school, et cetera. Um, And the cemetery was owned by the Presbyterian church that's affiliated with the college. So long story short is part of the books the journey became my negotiations with um, the trustees of the cemetery, three men. And the most powerful one was in his eighties and he mowed the lawn um, of the cemetery. And, and, and that, that negotiation and dialogue, um, you know, was something I just had not even, I couldn't even imagined, you know, the, those interactions. And they, they really, they ended in a zoom call and pandemic a month before the board trustee actually died, they made a decision to allow Green Barrel there and change the contract.